listening to Historically, a show where we decolonize history and debunk myths and misinformation taught to you in school and on corporate media. Today, we have Professor Alexander Buzgalin here to talk about neoliberalism, Marxism, history, and Belarus. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor Buzgalin. It's always an honor to talk to you. Can you talk about a little bit about the breakup of the Soviet Union and how Belarus took a different path than all the Soviet republics? This is a long story. Really, in 1991, the Soviet Union finished its existence and 15 new states appeared, including Belarus, Russia, Ukraine, and so on and so far. And first two years after collapse of Soviet Union, Belarus system was very similar with others. It was a neoliberal model of very dependent from the West economically, politically country. And uh, only in mid-90s, Lukashenko took uh, status of president and economic, social, political life uh, step by step changed. And Belarus had, uh, during the last 25 years, a specific type of development. It was capitalism like in all other post-Soviet countries, but specific variant of capitalism. I can say that it was bureaucratic paternalistic capitalism. Of course, it was semi-periphery country. It was not very developed, but in Belarus was much less social differentiation in comparison with all other countries. The level of the gap between rich and poor is more or less the same like in Scandinavia, not like in the United States, not like in Russia. Two times uh, difference between Russia and Belarus. Belarus is more equal. Second, Belarus has, or better to say, had uh, a lot of protectionism. Healthcare open for everybody, Soviet style of healthcare, Soviet style of organization of education. But very important remark, content of education was neoliberal. Textbooks from the United States for students in economics, in politics, in sociology, and so on. So it was a big mistake of Lukashenko system. And it was also a lot of state property. And what is also important, it was strong development of national industry and national agriculture. But last two years, it was stagnation. And the bureaucracy changed the course of the evolution of Belarus economy. It was the growth of inequality. It was a freezing of a real wage. It was no growth of real wage. It was growth of power of bureaucrats, of top managers of state enterprises, internal contradictions in uh, bureaucracy, in bureaucratic elite, if I can say. And also it was a growth of contradictions between people who has new type of education, neoliberal education, who has so-called human capital, who has small business, who has private business, maybe not small, but not interconnected with bureaucracy. Also, it is important that in Belarus there is no big oligarchs like in Russia, like in Ukraine and all other post-Soviet countries. Business is either interconnected with bureaucracy or relatively small, mid-size, and not really independent from bureaucracy. Politically, people were in bad situation. They didn't have rights. It was strong, authoritarian, but paternalistic. Or better to say paternalistic, but strong and authoritarian system. So in economic, social life, not bad. Stagnation, but not bad situation. In political life, no real rules. 
very bad the labor code, no right to organize strike, no rights to create independent trade unions, growth of tension in uh, many social spheres. Last years, this is a relative of last years. Before it was a relatively socially oriented, uh, national or economic development with authoritarian political system. So can you explain why do you think since 2016, President Lukashenko has been courting the IMF and making deals with the IMF? Like what has happened that made him a little bit more friendly towards the IMF and World Bank Institutes? This is a very complex question. Um, generally speaking, there is law, bureaucracy, which has power in capitalist country, which has maybe even dominant positions in the capitalist country. After some years of uh, domination, maybe after one, two decades of domination, uh, has internal, very deep internal contradictions. And big part of this bureaucracy wants to change, to change their power and to receive money, to receive capital, to receive private property. And this is typical for all types of bureaucracy. It was one of the reasons of collapse of the Soviet Union, by the way. In Belarus, uh, last years, we have the same trend. Big part of Lukashenko government, Lukashenko bureaucracy, top managers of state enterprises, has internal contradictions. And part of them wanted to and wants to have change, to transfer themselves into private businessmen, to private owners. And Lukashenko is trying to find balance between different trends, between this, this paternalistic leader for the people, and to satisfy needs of new bureaucrats and the generation of bourgeoisie, new generation of liberal young people. And he is trying to play between Russia, between the West, West, I mean, not uh, geographically, but neoliberal uh, powers like European Union, better to say the NATO, and of course, United States. Also, there is one important detail. Integration with Russia has two aspects, really to say contradiction. Uh, there is real friendship and traditional friendship between uh, peoples of Russia and peoples of Belarus. And this is very old and strong tradition and uh, it has basis. But Russian economic elite, Russian oligarchs, or Russian big business uh, is very aggressive, imperialistic, and uh, Russian big business is trying to eat Belarus economy, to dominate Belarus economy. And this uh, can lead to the big crisis in Belarus. That's why Lukashenko is trying to protect Belarus economy from Russian aggressive oligarchs. And in order to do this, he is playing games with Western corporations, which are maybe a little bit more beautiful as far as appearance is concerned, but the nature is more or less the same. So he is in different difficult situation, but uh, he doesn't want to make what can really help to Belarus. He doesn't want to give economic, social, political power to the people to move towards the really social model of capitalism and better to the social, humanistic socialism, socialism of the 21st century. He didn't make this choice, he doesn't make this choice, but to be a paternalistic bureaucrat and capitalist semi-periphery country, not very big, this is really nearly impossible. Uh, that's why he is in a very difficult situation now. So let's talk about the opposition a little bit. Have you looked at their reanimation reform program which they've copied straight from the Ukraine in 2014? 
Unfortunately, I didn't have chance. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm now far and uh, very busy. With no other worries. I'll, I'll email it to you later. But it seems like the opposition want to engage in what you call the shock doctrine in Belarus. And also, of course, there's no such thing as a fair election when you have so many different categories involved. So right now, there is a difficult position between the West wanting to get rid of him and him wanting to stay in power. And is he responding appropriately to the protests, in your opinion? So you put many questions. (laughs) So I will try to start from the very beginning. First of all, about people who went for the protest. It is not universal force or one force. Very different people with different backgrounds, social, political backgrounds. But main militant, the most active part of protesters, young generation who received, as I said, neoliberal education in Belarus universities in the West, sometimes even in Russia, where education is also neoliberal. And they have hopes, or better to say, unrealistic, unrealistic dreams to have wonderful jobs, big money and so on, if Belarus will be open for the West. Because they feel themselves very smart, very well educated, uh, very talented. It's not so, but they have these unrealistic hopes. Like, by the way, in Soviet Union in 91, a lot of people have ideas that if we have market and capitalism, next day we have uh, living standards like in Sweden and Norway, not uh, like in uh, Bangladesh or uh, uh, African countries. So it was one big part. Another big part, small business, which also has romantic hopes that it will be really free market without bureaucratic paternalistic limitation. Uh, it's not realistic. It will be domination of transnational corporations. Then also uh, part of the capital, which is uh, interconnected with the West, uh, mainly in the sphere of trade, in the sphere of finance, real estate operations, uh, tourism, and so on. But these people really were the main motor of the pro. Plus uh, some hooligans, some nationalist forces, it is also very important. And of course, it was, honestly, it was very big political, economic, financial, I mean money, uh, and informational support from uh, Baltic countries, from Poland, from European Union, but to say from NATO, because they used Poland and Baltic countries as satellites for this activity. And uh, they provoked a lot of actions. First round of uh, confrontation was brutal, and the reaction of Lukashenko police, uh, Lukashenko special forces was inadequate. But really, Lukashenko didn't expect so big protest, and they were not ready for this. And the reaction was partly a result of fear that everything will be changed tomorrow. Then it was peaceful, uh, not even confrontation, peaceful interconnection uh, actions between police, uh, other forces from one side, from uh, with uh, people uh, from this so-called middle class from another side. One important remark. In post-Soviet space, we have very specific middle class, so-called middle class. Middle class in our countries. This is people who has living standards similar with middle class in West European countries. But really, this is only top 15, maximum 20% of population. Small part of well, relatively well-educated and uh, relatively rich people. 
What about majority of ordinary Belarus people, workers, engineers, teachers, peasants, and so on? Uh, they are in doubts mainly because last years, as I said, there were no economic development. There were no growth of real wage. It was a very bad uh, anti-labor labor, anti -labor code, if I can say. And this is uh, one of the reasons why majority of population did not support Lukashenko openly and did not say no to Lukashenko openly. They have big doubts. But true. It was no strikes, in, uh, mainly it was no strikes. It was meetings, rallies in front of the enterprises, sometimes inside the enterprises. Strikes took place in some uh, factories, in some uh, enterprises, mine uh, factories, mainly where owners or top managers, sometimes owners and top managers, were not against strikes. And it was because top managers... So owners were helping with the strike? That's very unusual. Yes, it's very unusual. And I will explain now why. Okay. They didn't help directly, but uh, they indirectly supported or did not create any problems. Why? Because some owners were foreigners, not Belarus. And for them, Lukashenko is not profitable. In some other cases, top managers wanted to have privatization of these enterprises. They are top managers of state enterprises, but they wanted to use strikes in order to privatize these enterprises and receive not simply power, but to receive financial control, to receive property. Of course, for workers, it will be only worse. It will be not better. And it is life from the elite. And it was the same when Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, we also had the strikes, and I participated in dialogues with strike committees. These people from strike committees said in Soviet Union, last year of Soviet Union, we want to have uh, ownership of workers. We want to have a real justice. We want to have capitalism. So it's like a funny story, but it's reality. Uh, they had a very strange uh, vision of what is capitalism. It was anti-bureaucratic uh, struggle, but they didn't understand that as a result, they will receive brutal capitalism, which is not better than bureaucratic oppression, maybe even worse. Oh, it's a so lot this more. is the situation in Belarus. Um, you also mentioned in one of the articles that the main problem is there is a lack of a true workers' party or a left organization in Belarus. Why and how do they go about building one? This is the most difficult question for us. Uh, for us, because this is a problem not only in Belarus. It was their problem in Ukraine. Because the choice was terrible. From one hand, Nazi, together with neoliberal forces. Uh, from another side, bureaucracy, corrupted bureaucracy. And choice was terrible. Maidan is bad. Anti-Maidan bureaucratic power is also bad. More or less the same in Belarus. Lukashenko is not uh, more really paternalistic, and he, this choice is not uh, good. Another choice, opposition, uh, it will be neoliberal system where Belarus will be colonial or neo-colonial country with destruction of national industry and growth of social polarization and uh, growth of unemployment. The story which we had in Russia, in Ukraine, which we has in Ukraine and so on. Why we don't have strong left forces? Partly because it is very difficult to organize uh, left organizations in authoritarian country with anti-labor code. As I said, it's nearly impossible to organize independent trade union, to organize strike. 
simply very dangerous. You will be beaten, you can be killed, you can be in prison. So this is a very difficult, objectively difficult situation. Second, Soviet legacy created very big problem. We have a strong nostalgia, we have strong memory about Soviet life, and now big part of opposition is, how to say, Stalinist opposition. And Stalin is not symbol of terror, of gulag, of oppression of people. Even for young generations, Stalin became symbol of strong power with uh, socialist red flags, with um, real economic development, with victory over fascism. And we have this type of opposition. And to work with them is very difficult. Another type of opposition, uh, democratic left opposition, uh, in this situation is uh, weak. And there are big problems because of that. And we are doing all possible and impossible in order to overcome this deep contradiction among left and objectively created or appeared, objectively appeared contradiction inside the left. Maybe we have one day a special talk about left trends in Russia and Belarus and why we don't have real unity, real strong party. There is also a problem of real international solidarity with the West because for majority of Western left, Russia is a strange country which is very far from main sphere of interesting events and the periphery. So there is very small attention to Russia, generally speaking, from the Western colleagues, from West European countries and so on. So, but of course, main problem is inside Russia. Maybe next time, because it's very difficult in a few words to describe all this uh, complex picture. I gave some elements only of this picture. One thing is that for me, when I'm looking at this, it feels a lot like Ukraine in 2014. And Ukraine turned out to be very terrible. It has a lot of, for lack of a better word, Nazi sympathizers. And is the internal trend in Belarus significantly different What is the difference that might lead to a different outcome with regards to Belarus versus Ukraine? So, first of all, um, a few words about modern situation. Now, in Belarus, we have development of situation different from results of Maidan uh, changes which we had, we together, had in uh, Ukraine more than uh, six years ago now, six years ago. And the situation is different not only because Lukashenko still has a power, but because in general, Belarus economic, social, political system is different. Opposition has some similarities, but also is different. And uh, the most important factor, position of majority of ordinary Belarus working people is different. And I will tell a few words about every point. So first of all, the backgrounds, uh, power of uh, so-called Lukashenko system. This is a specific uh, bureaucratic paternalistic model of capitalism. It's semi-periphery capitalism by all means, but very specific with a strong paternalistic system. In um, medicine, in healthcare, uh, it's uh, mainly free of charge and uh, not bad for ordinary people. System of education is also free of charge, uh, much more equality than it was in Ukraine before Maidan. And uh, then in Russia now, two times difference. Level of social polarization in Belarus is the same as in Scandinavian countries, much less than in the United States, for example. And all this were relatively positive. But from another point of view, it was bureaucratic system where 
ordinary working people had uh, paternalistic support uh, from the bureaucrats, but uh, no real economic, social, political power, no real opportunity to be their subject of historical process, of political life, of economic life. And they were like puppets, marionettes in the hands of bureaucracy. And people were tired from this. But they didn't have such terrible situation as in Ukraine before Maidan, where system was corrupted and not working completely. What was bad in Belarus during last years, it was absence of economic growth, stagnation, small economic growth, stabilization, or better to say stagnation of real wages and terrible labor code. I can say it was not labor code, it was anti-labor code. So it was uh, important, and I want to repeat this because this is background. But what about opposition? They created now website, and opposition has slogans very similar with any neoliberal system. In economic sphere, uh, first of all, of course, privatization of big state enterprises. First uh, slogan, and there are some forms of camouflage. They uh, are talking about restructurization and, of course, modernization. <laughs> but from neoliberal point of view, the only modernization can be on the basis of private property, of course, by all means. So in reality, it will be not modernization. It will be terrible destruction, as it was in Ukraine, as it was in Russia in 1990s and so on. So Belarus has a relatively strong industry, good agriculture. They have big chances for foreign markets and so on. And it's not profitable for European Union corporations for any other transnational corporations to have real strong, good industry in Belarus. And it will be destruction. It will be support of different forms of uh, speculation. It will be support for some forms uh, of small business, mainly in the sphere of commerce, and this is also in the program. They are not talking about decline of social polarization. They are not talking about necessity to support working class, working people. This program is oriented mainly for traditional neoliberal ideas which are sympathetic for new generation of uh, Belarus, if I can say elite, but of course it's not elite. It's mainly people with high education, and this education was based on textbooks of economics, textbooks of political science, a neoliberal model of textbooks, neoliberal model of education. And because of that, uh, they have illusion that uh, their education, their so-called human capital, will give them wonderful opportunities to be rich uh, tomorrow if Belarus will be open for international cooperation. And by the way, one more typical neoliberal point, one of the key questions in the economic program, we will open uh, space for foreign investments. Oh. Yeah, a <laughs> key idea. Everything for uh, transnational corporation, everything for sale, yes? And yeah. uh, this is the main ideas, and ideas are similar with uh, Ukraine, but real opposition is weak, and there is no such aggressive nationalistic semi-fascist forces as Ukraine had and has, unfortunately, until now. And this is important factors. Oh, just so you know, there's like one part of their health platform that, I'm not joking, they really complained, saying that Belarus has too many ambulances and too many hospital beds, and we need to reform them, which they probably mean by privatizing them. Speaking of privatization schemes, please consider supporting our podcast and newsletters. Before the IMF comes in and forces us to take 3,000% APR loans and seizes our computers and microphones. 
Not being much of a numbers person myself, Isha has taken great pains to explain to me that that is a bad deal. But a good deal is $5 a month for each of our listeners to contribute to sustain us and help us grow. So please go to historically.substack.com. There you can subscribe to our newsletter, listen to our podcast, and help support us with your subscription. That's historically.substack.com. So, like, why do people fall for the same propaganda over and over? Oh, this is a big question. <laughs> Go for and, it. And, uh, of course, I will give only short comment. First of all, there are some circles for which this liberal transformation will be useful and profitable. This is not majority. This is maybe 15, maximum 20% of population who will be semi-slaves, semi-servants, semi-actors of transnational corporations. They will be agents of these corporations in Belarus. They are agents of these corporations in Russia, in Ukraine, everywhere, in Asia, in Africa. It doesn't matter. And these people have benefits. Uh, then if you have some opportunities to be parasites on the real wealth of the country, in Russia this is oil, gas, in Belarus very good agricultural opportunities for agriculture, plus they have wonderful nature. It can be also basis for exploitation of natural resources, forests, clean water, and many other things. And uh, finally, in Belarus, there is bureaucracy which has, has hopes to make change. Uh, instead of power in bureaucratic apparatus, they want to have private property, capital, and money and opportunity to spend this money for uh, free without bureaucratic limitations, without necessity to be more or less, how to say, modest. <laughs> because <laughs> in Lukashenko system, you cannot be Tsar. Uh, no, not Tsar. You can have a palace in uh, Britain. You can have island in the uh, Pacific Ocean. You must be relatively modest. Of course, they have a lot of privileges and they're not living like ordinary people. But the difference is maybe 10, 20 50 times, but not 1,000 like in Russia and like in the United States. And uh, this part of um, whom, of bureaucracy, wants to have these changes. But as far as majority of ordinary Belarus people, uh, working class, uh, peasants, uh, teachers, uh, medicine workers, healthcare workers, what for them? They are very tired to be not persons, not subjects, to be under this supervision of strong power. Lukashenko has uh, like a title, Batka. Batka means strong, paternalistic father. Father, yeah. Yeah, uh, but specific father who will uh, beat, who will feed, who will give what he needs, what he thinks uh, the son or daughter needs. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, this situation is uh, terrible because people are educated, they're skilled. And Belarus has a skilled working class, they have uh, good intelligence. Uh, a lot of teachers, doctors, and so on. And these people want to be subjects. They want to have not formal, but real freedom to express themselves, to participate in decision-making, to participate in control, to control their state, not to be semi-slaves, maybe of paternalistic, maybe not so bad, but not their state. They don't want to be slaves of uh, Batka. They don't want to be the slaves of this strong father, bureaucrat, and uh, in some aspects, dictator. And, as I said, the Lukashenko system, not he personally, but this, the whole system, 
step by step were moving in the direction of anti-working people, uh, economic and social policy. Labor code, which really created situation when worker engineer can be expelled from enterprise any minute if administration wants. No opportunity to create a real trade union, no opportunities to organize strike, absence of growth of real incomes. All this created atmosphere of dreams, hopes for <laughs> another system. And uh, these uh, dreams are moving in the direction of uh, West, mainly because of propaganda. It's not joke, uh, informational space and uh, very strong pressure. Western media, Western information centers, uh, they create uh, the whole system of oppression of people, intellectual, cultural oppression of people. And this is hegemony. Gramsci was right, and it was uh, nearly 100 years ago. Now it's became much more strong and efficient, unfortunately. Radio Svoboda, which just uh, blasts out propaganda in the Russian language even, Yes, and it's not only radio, it's a lot of YouTube channels, internet, uh, telegram, all this system. And uh, what is important, you know, bureaucratic systems are creating consumer society. They're not creating social creativity. And consumer society will uh, initiate liberal, neoliberal ideology. This is uh, the law. If you are creating uh, consumer society, guys, you will initiate neoliberal ideology. This is objective law. Market creates neoliberal ideology. Consumer society creates neoliberal ideology. And labels are more beautiful in the West than in Belarus. Labels, not real quality. The sausages are better, the cheese is better, the dress is even better. I bought my jackets and <laughs> these shots in yeah. Minsk. And they have very good quality, but they don't have label Hugo Boss or I don't know, something like this. And because of this uh, fetishism of science, of labels, of brands, the situation is um, uh, moving in bad direction. And what is important, one of the key mistakes of Lukashenko system is education. Neoliberal model of uh, education in social sphere is uh, like a boom in the fundament of the system. They created a young generation who has a neoliberal education. Five years of education in economic department. Market creates innovation. Market creates prosperity. Market creates efficient people. Market sits for smart people like you guys. You I will have magic. a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a real oppression of brains, oppression of souls and hearts even. I'm sorry for emotions, but I'm in this atmosphere in Moscow, in Moscow State University, and I know how it's terrible and how fantastic illusions are creating among ordinary students. If you want, I can tell one or two stories about this, but maybe not. Please, I'd be interested. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, uh, by the way, very uh, important example. I teach for different students and I like to go to small periphery cities, not small, I don't know, half million people. They have uh, typically technical universities. And when mm -hmm. I come to this uh, audience, I put provocative question. Uh, girls and boys, tomorrow you have $10 billion from Babushka from Switzerland. <laughs> How will you spend this money? In industrial town, in technical university, they're talking. We will build new enterprises in our city. Mm -hmm. We will create living conditions for everybody. I will buy for myself three rooms apartments. <laughs> <laughs> 
for 10 billion dollars. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, some, a little bit naive and so on. I ask about the same uh, students of master degree program in Moscow State University Economic Department. What will you make? We will invest this money. I ask them, what do you want? We want to have not 10 billion euros, but 12 billion euros. I'm asking, for what? Professor, <laughs> you're stupid. You cannot understand. Money must create money. They're slaves of money fetishism. That's it. They're slaves of capital thinking. They're not uh, personalities. They're marionettes of money. <laughs> so when people don't want to be marionettes of bureaucracy, it's absolutely necessary. But they cannot understand that tomorrow they will be marionettes of capital and must be left alternative. I'm sorry it was not about Belarus, but it, it's about everywhere. No, no, it's good. It, it's yeah. everywhere. And um, I mean, uh, like just last week, they were talking about 40 years, was it 40 or 30 years of uh, after Solidarność, which was uh, completely CIA funded. Now 40 years, yes. <laughs> oh, okay, 40 years then. Um, yeah. a, a Solidarność, which is a CIA funded union that somehow brought down communism. So you can see that uh, it seems to be effective everywhere. It's the same exact playbook. It's the same exact tactic. And so what do you predict is going to happen next? Is Lukashenko going to stay in power or is there be a new election or will this go away? Uh, unfortunately, Lukashenko's system is unpredictable. He is a contradictory person. Uh, he was not a uh, bad uh, leader of Kalhos, yeah, <laughs> so-called red director, red manager. Uh -huh. But after 25 years in power, he became bureaucrat. Uh, and the bureaucratic system is reproducing specific type of personality. If he still has some, how to say, potential of a person who can understand that the only basis for his uh, power, not personal power, power of his apparatus and so on, is the respect of ordinary people, if he can understand this, I'm not sure. After 25 years, majority of bureaucrats cannot understand this. Uh, they are thinking about police, KGB, uh, special operations, but not about uh, ordinary people. Ordinary people for them are marionettes, uh, not no lamps. My, that's it, yeah? Mm -hmm. And we are people, we are persons. So if he can understand that Belarus uh, citizens are subjects, persons, they will change, uh, first of all, some relations in the enterprises, hospitals, schools, universities, and so on. So if personality can control administration, can participate in decision-making, can have some real economic, social, political power, he will be more adequate in understanding of reality. He will have, how to say, antivirus against the virus of liberalism. It was a great book of uh, Samir Amin, Virus of Liberalism. So it will be antivirus, yeah? It will be uh, vaccine, I don't know. <laughs> vaccine, yeah. Vaccine, yeah. By the way, even in Soviet Union, when we had some elements of uh, grassroots democracy, like in 60s, like in 20s, it was impossible to have destruction of the country, even in the situation of attacks from the West, terrible attacks of the West, propaganda and so on. People had the real practice which showed we can do something. Uh, we understand what does it mean to control the director, to control the production, to mm -hmm. understand. Yeah, of course it was bureaucracy and it was not an ideal system, but some elements uh, we had. If uh, Lukashenko system can make such steps, it will be more stable. 
if he simply will decide to make a mixture of bureaucracy with liberalism, it will be a very unstable system, and finally he will uh, lose the power. Because in this game, uh, bureaucracy typically is defeated, mainly because there are a lot of betrayers inside bureaucracy. Ah. Inside bureaucracy, there are a lot of relatively young, strong, smart bureaucrats who want to have money. They don't oh. want to be the irritant. And so they want the enterprises that they're looking after to yes. be private yeah. because they, yeah. they want they want to be the owner. Yeah, that's uh, that's the case in Belarus. During these events, the only strikes which were really strong were in the enterprises where either top managers in the state enterprises or owners, private enterprises, were not uh, against these strikes. Maybe they did not support them directly, but they were not against. They used real uh, anti-Lukashenko feelings of people who doesn't have chances to be subjects of historical life, uh, who wants to have another condition, they were using this in order to create atmosphere when they will be persons, actors who will privatize enterprises, yeah, or who will create better conditions without state control, like mm -hmm. uh, now in Belarus. Again, Lukashenko is not ideal person and the system is not ideal at all, yeah. And they are moving in bad direction. We are moving in bad direction, but uh, they have chances. And if he will understand that uh, his chance is more social, more democratic, not informal liberal words only, uh, but mainly on the real basis of grassroots democracy, he can save power and improve situation. If not, he will be defeated tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. Yes. So. When the West comes in, the first they do is they make the country take an IMF loan, and then they're not in charge of their currency anymore. So is Belarus still in charge of its own currency right now? Yes, Belarus has a financial system which is different from neoliberal one. Of course, this is market economy. They have uh, private financial institutions. They have market prices. Uh, but they have regulation of financial system, regulation of currency exchange rate, and so on. Uh, but as I said, bureaucratic system, if it is stable, it is like a concrete construction. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, concrete construction can be tied. The bridge, mm -hmm. long bridge. It was nothing 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. But then construction was tight and bridge collapsed. Why? Mm. No bomb, no terrorists. Construction is tight. Yeah? There is no motives for development. Bureaucratic uh, Belarus construction is tight. And they lost opportunities for economic growth, for improvements, for real innovations and so on. Not completely. But the trajectories, it was growth, and now it's a plateau. Yeah, they are not <laughs> growing. And in such situation, typically, a bureaucratic system, in order to continue support of ordinary people in social sphere, is starting more or less uh, to use inflation uh, model. And they have bad situation in currency exchange, in prices, and so on. So Belarus ruble is going down, dollar is growing. and Hold on. In Inflation model is where you, oh, your policy only tries to control inflation, but doesn't try to deal with unemployment or anything else, right? No, it's a normal market system. Oh, okay. Uh, in Belarus, it's another. 
they're using, let's say, budget resources which they don't have to finance medicine, to finance education, to finance all other social spheres. They don't have enough incomes and they're using, uh, let's say, artificial money, not really well-founded money. And because of that, uh, the cost of Belarus currency is going down and the cost of uh, euro and dollar is growing. And uh, in general, uh, in Belarus, it was growth of living standards after 90s. Lukashenko came to power not after the collapse of Soviet Union. It was four or five years of uh, neoliberal reforms in Belarus. And it was terrible result. Lukashenko, when he came to power, created uh, motivation for development of national economy. And it was uh, good economic growth. Uh, they created very good infrastructure re-established, rebuilt uh, agriculture, which was not the case before. They are creating trucks for international markets, uh, tractors, uh, and so on. So it was positive results, but now it's uh, stagnation. And stagnation is a very bad sign for bureaucratic system. Is it okay if we talk about, like a few months ago when Lenin turned 150, you wrote a wonderful paper, and Lenin is literally my favorite author. I always... I read him like because he makes me laugh or like I love everything he says is actually applicable to today. So would you mind if Unfortunately, I can say applicable because 100 years and the capitalism is still the same terrible as it was 100 (laughs) years ago. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, So would you mind if we use the rest of our time together to talk about that paper? (laughs) Yes. So I'm ready for your questions. Uh, I also respect very much this person as theoretician, as a fighter, as a genius person, really. I'm not afraid of these words. Me neither. I'm Okay. So um, what for me was really surprising is that if you look at imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism, he put some charts on the consolidation of industry. And if you compare the same charts from back then to now, we have even more consolidation of industry. Um, <laughs> do you have any comments about what we're going to do with this much consolidation? Oh, this is a great theoretical question. And uh, this is not simply consolidation or integration of industrial enterprises. Uh, now, situation is uh, similar, uh, even more intensive, but uh, with some differences. Differences are interconnected with new type of technologies, uh, so-called network organization, and so on. And this is important because from one hand, we have more flexible system of production. From another hand, integration is much more intensive than before. And it is world integration, exactly world integration. And this is a very good basis for qualitative changes. I will tell something terrible for many Westerners. I will tell that uh, McDonald's system is plant system. Everywhere, the same hamburgers with the same price. There is even big mark index, you know, of the currency exchange, yes? The same type of production. So this is huge world plant system. And the same with many other things. This is not the best food. I don't like <laughs> hamburgers. <laughs> but uh, this is example. How can be organized production? And Lenin had uh, good words that uh, big corporations is good mechanism, which is used for ugly purposes by uh, financial and industrial capital. 
And this is true. And now we have a real basis for new type of material production, basis for socialism, I can say openly. And from another point of view, we have a much more strong power of capital because this is financial capital. And in a new form, Lenin wrote about integration of bank capital and mm -hmm. industrial capital. Now we have more uh, awful, if I can say so, uh, form. We have domination of financial institutions over real sector. We have not equal integration of these two types of capital. Financial capital became stronger. And because of financialization, we have now moving of all resources, intellectual resources, financial resources, material, to financial sector where there are only speculations. Yes. There is even statistics that uh, from industry is going more money to financial sector as loans, as credit, and so on. Real sector creates credits for financial speculations, not financial sector is creating credits for uh, real sector now. So it's became even more intensive than in Lenin's time. And the more we have uh, contradictions and inequality of development, and the more we have necessity to think about revolution, this is also a point which doesn't like majority of the left, even I'm not talking about the right. <laughs> and I want to stress that Lenin's theory of revolution, this is not theory of revolt, violence, and civil war. This is theory of qualitative changes of economic, social, political system. And we must think about this qualitative change of economic, social, and political system and about reforms inside capitalism. It's also Lenin. Reforms are useful for the left, but only if we think that reforms is bridge for the revolution or yeah. bridge towards the revolution. And modern capitalism creates a lot of opportunities for such reforms and then victory of revolution, which can be peaceful. And final. My theory is that if you look at the Russian Revolution, the workers and the peasants were peaceful. In 1905, they came and asked for the Tsar for equal money and limited work day and things like that. So I always say that it is those in power who start the violence by shooting down all the peasants. So I always say all revolutions begin with a request, and it depends on how they react. Uh, you're absolutely right. And the more mm, I want to add some historical details, which are not well known for young generation, especially. Mm -hmm. What was in October 1917 and then two, three months after uh, Petrograd changes. First of all, in Petrograd, it was very few killed people in the uh, October revolt, so-called. Yeah, it was uh, a few victims. Then 80% of uh, Russian regions peacefully changed the power. And it was not Bolsheviks party who took power. It was Soviets mm -hmm. elected by ordinary people, workers, soldiers, peasants, uh, in the regions mainly peasants. And Soviets supported Bolsheviks' program. They even didn't have Bolsheviks' majority in the Soviets. They simply supported this program. And uh, during these first months, it was only uh, 20 regions where it was violence, and it was not strong violence, and mainly it was aggressive uh, behavior of anti-Soviet powers attack. And then it was peaceful victory of Soviet power in Russian former Russian Empire in a future Soviet country. And only in summer, spring, summer uh, 1918, when it was aggression from together, Britain, Germany, Turkey, uh, Czech, Korpus, 
14 different countries, right? Yes, uh, United States, Japan, France. And China. All yeah, all together. Uh, <laughs> they supported uh, anti-Soviet um, forces, uh, so-called white uh, movement. They uh, made the direct uh, intervention uh, like uh, Germans. By the way, first uh, these gulag camps uh, created in our country British troops in the north. Salavki, it was firstly camp of British troops uh, who killed people, thousands and thousands of people. So it was then a reaction of uh, Soviet power to defense the Soviet Republic. And Lenin's slogan, revolution must um, uh, defend Absolutely. itself. Uh, yeah, And this is the, the idea. I don't want to analyze, uh, to make idealization of uh, these events. Of course, it was a lot of accidents, crimes and so on. But it was qualitative change. If we look how capitalism came to power, it was 500 years of wars and blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, only now it became more or less civilized and not everywhere at all. It's still wars and blood. I mean, we're in eight different yeah. wars in America. <laughs> yeah, uh, by the way, it's again going back to Belarus, Russia, and other countries. A lot of young generation has a very idealistic picture of capitalism. When I show two students photos, of United States kids, uh, eight, nine, ten years old, who were working in miners factories, coal miners, small boys, mm -hmm. uh, 1911 photo. Mm -hmm. uh, students were shocked, it's impossible. Where did you take this? I said it's from uh, open internet sources of the United <laughs> States museums. It's not propaganda of Bolsheviks, <laughs> this is reality. <laughs> It was 100 years ago. It's impossible. Capitalism is beautiful. The funny thing is that the more I've studied propaganda of both capitalism and like the Bolsheviks, you don't need to lie about capitalism to make it look bad. You can just tell the truth. Like we have people in America who can't even afford their own insulin and they're dying because of diabetes that we've found a cure over like 90 years ago. So you don't have to make capitalism look bad. You don't have to lie about it at all. <laughs> Yeah, one more detail, by the way. All details for this apparatus and computer which we use now needs mm -hmm. cobalt. This is specific uh, non-ferro metal. And uh, this uh, cobalt is extracted by kids in Africa, seven, eight, ten years old kids. It was a whole world scandal because they're small skin and you can go to this minus where adult people cannot go. So, And this is extremely dangerous and uh, bad for the health and so on. So this is reality. And all these beautiful corporations with smart image, with so-called eco programs, they are using such kids' work, uh, labor now. So this is uh, also true. I'm sorry, it's far from Belarus, but Belarus people must know that what they can have yes. <laughs> if they want to have liberal model. Like, it's funny because whenever he talks about the infantile left, it looks like he's speaking to the American left right now. <laughs> like, I want to write letters to people saying, this is, he's speaking about you. <laughs> yeah. He talks against liquidationism because of so many forces that the wealthy have against the working class party. The working class party has to be very pure in their program in order to keep themselves working class. And that, I believe, is still very relevant. What do you think? No, uh, let's skip this question. Because really, we need, of course, modernization of political, ideological programs and forms of organization and so on. 
but we also must keep the experience and uh, the soul, if I can say, of uh, left movement. When I talk with my colleagues uh, about left activity and they ask why we are so weak, I ask question. How many hours a day you are spending for free for social activity? How many hours a week are you spending for social activity as left militant? If it is less than four, eight hours, you are responsible for the bad situation in left <laughs> movement. You personally is responsible. Because where we had victory, where people were really working hard for years and years, decades and decades, where they were ready for real victims. And it was not uh, only problem to lose the job in university or to be not professor, but assistant of professor as the most terrible catastrophe for some left intellectuals. It was a problem to be killed, to be in a terrible prison and so on. So, of course, now in civilized European countries, situation is not so difficult, but still you must work, at least you must work hard and uh, not to be in a hurry. If we don't have tomorrow the victory, we have nothing. And the one more word very important for young generation, maybe. It's difficult to understand. You will um, spend your life for changes of the world. And if you are brave enough to do this, uh, to swim against the current, it's very difficult. Sometimes in order to be in the same place, you must swim very hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and uh, it's uh, very important for everybody in our countries. And what is, uh, by the way, one of the reasons why in post-Soviet space we have relatively weak left movement? Because of big experience of Soviet system where people could be passive and have social protection from the state. Ah. One of the paradoxes of Belarus also. Real uh, strong left movement is absent in Belarus, or nearly absent, because it was very paternalistic system, and state was not a uh, real enemy of the people. Yeah, it was in some aspects protector. Bureaucratic, uh, not efficient, maybe not beautiful, maybe not smart, but protector not enemy, yeah, and uh, it was uh, difficulties and no big needs to be active yourself. And now you must be active, uh, and this is the, the, the lesson. And what is positive, I think it will be the same in Belarus. In our country, we have now young generation, 15 years old, 16 years old, 20 years old, yeah, very young boys and girls, who are creating from below so-called market circles, market seminars, market, sorry, Marx, Marx, <laughs> Marx seminars, Marx, Marxist seminars, Marxist circles, Marxist groups, networks, and there are hundreds of them created from below in our country. So new generation is coming who don't want to be now so-called major. I don't know if you have in uh, English this expression. Major means person who is not majority, but who it's like in uh, music, minor and major, yeah? yeah. Major is uh, prosperity, uh, rich, young, uh, healthy, and so on, uh, successful. So they don't want to be this. They want to be persons who are changing this world. They want to have more justice, more real freedom, and so on. So this is positive mark. Uh, to create something positive at the end of our talk. I'm sorry to talk about everything, but you're provoking with your smile, with your questions, with your reaction. <laughs> Thank you very much.
My favorite part of imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism, is where he talks about the world powers back then, I guess it was Britain, France, dividing the world amongst themselves. And we see the same thing with the capital institutions. Maybe France is not occupying Senegal with their military, but they still are with with everything. So like, what is the new form of colonialism that young people need to understand? So, uh, I am really not ready now for talk about everything. It's very oh, no worries. I understand. Um, do you have any uh, websites or books or anything to suggest to people? Well, first of all, there is maybe too much information in the website Marxist.org. Yeah, it's very simple to, it's <laughs> to, a to find everything, <laughs> but it's very difficult to orient. Uh, really, I'm not very well informed about uh, well, uh, English language uh, websites where it's possible to have uh, what you need. So let's think about this more. Uh, and uh, maybe it's you will be the person who will give us advice, uh, including my students, my young fr- friends, uh, who can go and read interesting things. But first advice will be to read carefully and critically uh, Lenin's writings, and I think such books as Imperialism, you mentioned, Imperialism is high stage of capitalism, uh, then uh, State and Revolution, uh, also very impressive, very important book. And it was a very good book about Lenin's legacy, Lenin Reloaded. It was published in 2007, I think, or something like that. Then it was uh, a new and new editions, very good collection of authors, and I advise strongly to read this book. I hope it's possible to find in the internet this book for free. By the way, one of the key slogans of modern left must be absence of private intellectual property. I think this is extremely important because even among left, sometimes it's very difficult in Russia to find necessary book or text, even journal, because for us $25 is huge money. Yeah, it's, uh, $50 is impossible to buy. <laughs> yes. And there are a lot of countries where fifty dollars is month's wage. Yeah, oh, yeah. So this is not so simple. In Russia, minimum wage is now one hundred forty dollars per month, and this is for twenty million people. Wow. So, and uh, this is uh, not the most poor country. Russia is no. in the middle. Yeah. So it's uh, by the way. So let's uh, make maybe one, two, three talks as much as you want. I'm open to talk about contradictions of modern capitalism, uh, globalization, deglobalization, uh, crisis of neoliberalism. One my favorite topic. Another topic is uh, changes in class social structure of modern society, the problem of so-called precariat, uh, so-called creative class, and so on. It's very interesting topics because this is new revolutionary forces, maybe about Soviet Union, lessons of collapse of Soviet Union, vision of communism, not simply socialism, but communism as perspective. I made many lectures in Russian on this topic. I'm very open to make a talk on communism in English. So That would be great. I'm um, in your hands, Asha. That would be amazing. Great. I'm absolutely happy. Okay, thank you for invitation and sorry Paka. to be here later, Alicia. Пока. Я извиняю русский. Did I say that right? Да. Вы хорошо знаете русский. Спасибо. Thank you very much, colleagues. Goodbye. Goodbye, comrades. Привет. Music for this show is done by Rectech. 
You can find him on SoundCloud and on Spotify. W-R-E-C-K-T-E-C-H. And thank you for listening to our show.